May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. People often talk about being blessed, don't they? They may feel blessed because they have a beautiful new baby, a job that they love, a wonderful home, and a great family. They may talk about how blessed they feel after taking the holiday of a lifetime, or simply because they have a warm bed, plentiful food, and a roof over their head. I think sometimes it can be used as a kind of throwaway phrase when someone doesn't know what else to say. I often hear people who profess not to have a belief in God at all say, oh bless, when they're discussing someone. And it always gives me a little bit of hope that deep down they do believe in the promises of God after all. Blesses come to us in so many different forms. I felt very blessed yesterday when a young electrician came to our house to, to do some repairs for us. And as well as doing a good job, he listened so carefully as my husband, who has a difficulty with his speech following a stroke, tried to explain what the problem was. And he was so patient and allowed him to finish without interruption. And it meant so much to my husband, especially as only a few years ago he could have done those jobs himself. And also because people often tend to finish his sentences for him. But Jesus' own views on who is blessed differ very radically from these, and they're pretty shocking. Christ's Beatitudes are quite hard to understand, and yet they're worth struggling with, for at their heart lie hope and grace and joy. There are a number of words in the original Greek version of the Beatitudes that are difficult to translate adequately into English. Makario, which the new Revised Standard Version translates as blessed, is one of these. It describes an incredible joy. And in the light of this, sometimes the Beatitudes seem very strange indeed. How can people who are persecuted and reviled have a deep joy? How can Christ tell them to rejoice and be glad? How can those who mourn or those who are meek be blessed, especially when many commentators believe that the word translated, translated as meek refers to the oppressed, those humbled by others? And what about those who are poor in spirit? The Greek word for poor refers to utter destitution. So the poor in spirit are those who are fully aware of all their weaknesses 
and who therefore feel completely helpless, not the kind of people we might expect to overflow with joy. The answer to these paradoxes lies in the type of kingdom that Jesus was bringing in. At the start of his public ministry, Christ declared that he had come to bring good news to the poor and to those with, with little power or significance in the world. His message was one of incredible grace. His kingdom was open to those that the world shunned, who were poor and weak and rejected. The message of the Beatitudes is not one that equates blessings with human effort. Jesus is not teaching that blessing only comes by trying harder to be meeker or more pure in heart. In fact, the Beatitudes declare how things are rather than how they could be if only we tried harder. They simply announce how joyful people can be because Christ's kingdom has broken in, bringing hope to those desperate for God's help. The celebratory nature of the pronouncements come across more clearly in the commentator uh, William Barclay's translation of this passage. Reflecting on the absences of verbs in the original Greek, he translates the start of each saying, Oh, the blessedness of the meek. So what is it that we can learn from the Beatitudes? Well, firstly, they remind us of God's grace. The world favours success, confidence, money, power and influence. But God's kingdom is so very different. Its blessings are not won or deserved, but freely given. Therefore, the needy, for the poor and for those who are struggling. If we feel inadequate and unworthy, then we have much to rejoice about, for God is with us. We also see that the joy of the Beatitudes involves more than just feeling happy, for that often depends upon how well things are going for us. We might feel happy, for instance, if we're offered a better job or inherit some money. But if someone's just stolen our car, we'll not experience much happiness there. But fortunately, the blessedness, the Beatitudes described, is a joy that exists regardless of our personal circumstances. We have joy not because our lives are easy, but despite our pain and troubles. For joy is the product of knowing God's undeserved love and being assured of salvation. So joy is possible, even in the midst of pain, because it doesn't come from personal good fortune or talent or goodness. 
even when we let God down, we can rejoice in the assurance of his forgiveness and unconditional love. Even when we suffer, we can know joy, for pain is never a sign that God has forgotten us. Our Heavenly Father's love is unfailing. Indeed, we can rejoice whatever our weakness and our struggles, for we have a Saviour whose blessings are poured out upon those who are reviled, humbled, and weak. And when we receive those blessings, we receive his holiness. We can count ourselves among the saints. We're equipped to continue the work of the saints who went before us, all of whom had the same struggles that we face today. Our tendency still is to think of the saints as ancient, far distanced people with some special gift denied to the rest of us. Mother Teresa is perhaps the closest most of us will have witnessed as a saint in our lifetimes. This afternoon, we'll be celebrating another group of saints, the saints of our lives, whose names remain unknown to most of the world. The church has not officially beatified these saints. However, they, <coughs> excuse me, they have brought beatification and blessing to your life. The only icons that exist of these saints are the pictures that hang on your walls and sit on your shelves. They are the mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, spouses and friends, teachers and coaches, grandparents and godparents who are no longer with us today. Now they rest upon a greater shore and in a greater light. But when they were alive, they filled your life with grace and love. And you know these saints so well because you think about them all the time. The memory of them warms your heart and fills your eyes with tears. Perfect they were not, but holy they were. So for all the saints who have gone before, both long ago and more recently, we give thanks. Thanks for their witness, their inspiration, and the legacy they have built for us, they have left for us to build on. So may we never forget our own place in the company of saints 
and experience every day the hope, grace and joy of knowing that our generous God equips us for whatever he calls us to. Amen.